Lord, soften our hearts so that we can receive this word you've given Adam to give to us. We love you so much. It's in your awesome name that we pray. Amen. 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 You guys can be seated. Can we thank the worship team one time? You guys have no idea how lucky we are to be led by such amazing uh, leaders, and so thank you guys very much uh, for all that you guys do. Um, none of these people are paid staff. Well, I guess Neil is, but like none of these other like other pe- other people are paid staff. You know, like they come. Uh, a lot of them led already this morning in Sunday morning services, and they came back tonight because they believe in you. They believe in young adults, and they believe uh, in the millennial young adult generation Z uh, generation. So thank you guys for that. Thank you guys for being here tonight. Uh, like I said before, my name is Adam Lynch. I'm the young adult pastor. Here. At Connection Point, and uh, I believe that God has really put a word on my heart tonight to share with you. And uh, but before we begin, tonight is uh, the four-year birthday, four-year uh, anniversary of the net. So, so four years ago, it was just a dream that God put in, in mine and my wife's heart uh, to start a young adult college ministry. And uh, so I. <laughs> Uh, my wife found something the other day. We, we had our very first uh, net Christmas thing. Was, was anybody here? Like, did anybody go to that, the very first thing? Okay, cool. We got some people. Oh, yeah. Some first-timers. Are, yeah, they are there in the beginning. Uh, do you guys remember? This is so lame. My, my, so we had candy canes. Do you guys remember the candy cane with, like, like, a little card that said, coming soon, the net? Like, I pulled it out, and I was like, there's no way this would pass, like, now. Like, that was so lame. And, uh, but I remember, uh, I probably shared the story before, uh, but I remember, so after that, we had our first net type gathering uh, in, in a house over here, and there were six people there. And uh, if you're at that first gathering, raise your hand. One, Luke, exactly. All right, cool. Okay. So uh, they're not here, so I can talk about them. Uh, two other people showed up. They were teachers in Brownsburg, and they thought it was a connection point speed dating thing. And so they showed up, and you could tell, like, they were very disappointed, you know. And, uh, and uh, so they're like, is this a, uh, this is a speed dating thing, right? I'm like, oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> Some of you might think it's a speed dating thing. Anyway, it's an inside joke. And uh, I said, no, it's not. And so they never came back. And so, uh, so anyways, four years ago, we started with six of us, and God has done an amazing, amazing thing with uh, where we're at today. And I just really believe that this is just a start of what God's going to continue to do in the future. I really believe that the best is yet to come. I really believe that the best is yet to come. I have so much energy. I am so ready to continue this. And so uh, thank you guys for being here. You know, like I said, my wife and I kind of started this together in the beginning and uh, I remember just being with her and be like, what are we going to do? Like, like, we need help. We, we don't really know what we're doing. We still don't know what we're doing. But, we're like, we need help. And so uh, slowly but surely, God started uh, bringing people into our ministry that would help. And so it started with two of us, and now we've really grown. If you're in this room tonight, this is my wife's idea. Uh, if you're in this room tonight and you serve in some sort of capacity for this ministry, will you please stand? Some sort of capacity. Worship, small groups, setting up. Thank you guys so much. That's amazing. You guys can sit down. 
So that was started with two of us, and now there's 18, 20 people serving and leading, and that's amazing. And like I said, I believe that, that God has a lot in store for us in the future. Amen? Amen. All right. So if you have your Bibles and your notes, open them up. Open up your Bibles. Open up your notes. Uh, if you have a paper Bible, if you have your phone Bible, open it up to 1 Peter chapter 2. Uh, we're going to look at verses 1 through 3. For, uh, 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 1 through 3. And I want you to take notes tonight because there's four things I want you to learn tonight. There's four things I want you to learn. But before we get into that, um, I played a lot of sports growing up. I love sports. I played a lot of baseball football for a little bit, basketball, and I just love sports. And when I was younger, uh, I never really had to uh, work really hard at it. I know that sounds like really arrogant stuff, but like when I was in middle school, you know, I didn't have to really work. Like, you know, my natural ability kind of got me by. And then in high school, you know, because like in middle school, I was like a foot taller than everybody else. Like I'm basically the same size now as I was in middle school. Like I hit my growth spurt and then God said, you're done. I was like, thank you. And uh, I thought I was going to be 6'5", but I'm not. And uh, so, so, yeah, so I, I got to high school. Uh, I'm on varsity freshman year, and I'm still kind of there. And then all these other guys kind of, like, caught up to me, you know, like their physicalness, like, caught up to mine. And so I had to start, like, working out and, like, st started to work on uh, my sport, you know. Like, my, my natural ability wasn't, it was still there, but it really wasn't, like, you know, what, it, like, I had to work at it, right? And so then my freshman year of college, I'm playing college baseball. So, like, in high school, I was all-state on my baseball team, okay? There's, like, two of us that are all-state. We're the best players on our team. When you go to college, if you played college sports, you realize that everybody else on your team was the best player on their high school team. You know, like, everybody was all-state. Everybody was good. And then, like, you're just a dime a dozen. So when I went to college in Missouri, I was like, I'm going to show up. I'm going to be this freshman phenom. And I got there, and all these guys were like way better than me. And so, like, I was just a dime a dozen. And then I realized, like, my natural ability got me so far. It got me to here. But if I'm going to get even, you know, do more, I'm going to have to really start working on it. And then I played for two years and I quit because I couldn't get there. But what separates good athletes, those of you who, like, don't like sports, you guys are like, I don't get sports, whatever. Trust me. Stay with me for a second, okay? What separates good athletes from the mediocre ones is the work that they put into it. What separates a good athlete from a mediocre one is the work that they put into it. And I think the same is true with our relationship with Jesus. You know, we look up to people that we think are, are godly or we think that they know God more than us, but they don't have more access to God than you or I do. They just put the work in that's necessary to know him more. Like people that you look up to, the people that you think are like really you know, close to God, they don't have more access to him than you do. They're just willing to put in the work to know him more. Does that make sense? So for the next two net gatherings, we're going to be looking at growing in our relationship with Jesus, and, and we're going to talk about how to practically do that. And so our big idea tonight, I want you to write this down in your notes, piece of paper, whatever. Our big idea tonight is that a maturing Christian is a growing Christian. A mature Christian or a maturing Christian is a growing Christian. It's someone who is growing in their walk with Jesus. So open up your Bibles, uh, 1 Peter chapter 2, and we're going to dive in there. Peter is writing uh, to believers who, who have been scattered throughout the world because of persecution, okay? So he is writing to people who have been severely 
persecuted. And so he starts in verse 1. He says, Therefore, rid yourselves of all malice and all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander of every kind. Like newborn babies crave pure spiritual milk, so that by it you may grow up. Everybody say grow up. Grow up in your salvation, now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. And so the first word that he says there is therefore. And here's a little seminary trick that I learned. Every time you see therefore, you ask, what is therefore, therefore? Like, why is it there? Why is therefore, therefore? And so he says, crave pure spiritual milk so that by it you may grow up in your salvation now that you have tasted that the, that the Lord is good. So what is therefore, therefore? What is he saying beforehand? Well, beforehand in 1 Peter 1, 22 through 23, he says, now that you have purified yourselves by obeying the truth so that you have sincere love for each other, love one another deeply from the heart, for you have been born again, say born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and enduring word of God. So he says, crave pure spiritual milk because you are now a new creation. Because now that you have been born again, now that you know Jesus, now that you're following Jesus and he has made you new, therefore, start to crave pure spiritual milk so that you will grow in your salvation. Because you are born again, you are a new person. This is something that you have, could not do on your own. This is something that God has done in you and through you. And you have been saved to something that is eternal. It's an eternal hope that doesn't perish. So Peter is now saying, because you are saved, because you know Jesus and you're a new creation, now start to crave this pure spiritual milk. And see, one thing you have to understand is that Peter's not talking to people who just accepted Jesus. Like, he's not saying, this is just for, this is for new Christians. No, this is for Christians throughout eternity. doesn't matter what stage of, of following Jesus you're in. This is for all Christians for all time. doesn't matter what stage you're in. This is for all time. This is for every single believer. So that by this craving of spiritual milk, you can grow up in your salvation. Grow up in your salvation. What does that mean? Like, can people be more saved? Like, can you be more saved? Or are some people more saved than others? What does it mean to grow up in your salvation? Well, what Peter is saying here, what Peter is saying is to continue to grow in Christ or continue to be more like Jesus. To grow in your salvation is to become more like Jesus. So Peter is commanding his readers, he's urging his readers to grow in their relationship with Jesus. Crave pure spiritual milk so you can continue to grow. Grow in your faith. So elephant in the room. Elephant in the room. How do we grow? How do we grow? And I want you to buckle in because there's going to be a few moments tonight that, like, are tough. There's going to be some tough moments that might be a tough pill to swallow, but it's important. You guys with me? Okay. So how do we grow? The first thing is, is to crave pure spiritual milk. Or milk. It depends on what part of the country you're from. Anyways, some people say milk and it drives me nuts. Milk. Anyways, so what is the milk? What is the milk? 
The milk is the word of God. It's the good news of the gospel. It's the word of God, and it's the good news of the gospel. The word crave here literally means to pursue with love and to long after. To long after or to pursue with love. And so he says to pursue with love God's word. To pursue with love the gospel. To pursue with everything you have and to long after God's word. And that will lead to, to growth in your life. That's what Peter is saying here. And so let me ask you the first question of tonight. Does that describe you? Does that describe you? Are you someone that longs after God's word? Are you someone that pursues God's word or the gospel with love? Like, are you just like, oh, man, I can not wait to read my Bible. I cannot wait to share the gospel with somebody. I just, I just love this so much. Do you pursue with love? Or do you long for God's word? To grow, you have to really desire God and his word. Just like babies long for milk that will sustain their bodily growth, similarly, believers have to have a desire for the milk that helps them grow in their salvation. I want you to write this down. A love for God's word and a desire to know his word leads to growth. Leads to growth. A love for God's word and a desire to know his word leads to growth. How do you approach the word of God? How do you approach the word of God or the instructions of God? With a loving desire to do so or kind of begrudgingly? Kind of like, oh, I don't want to do this tonight. I don't want to read. I don't want to do this. And I, I, have, I hate to admit this to you, but there's been times, I was sharing with our leadership team earlier, but there's been times where I've prepared a sermon, and that was like the only time I read my, like, read my Bible that week. Like, there's times where I speak, and I'm up here, and I'm sharing the good news of the gospel, and I, could not, I do not want to do it. Like, there's times where I read or I share, and it's not a part of me. I'm just doing it. I'm just kind of begrudgingly doing it. I wouldn't say that I'm always at this place where I'm, like, longing to read, longing to get to know him. I wonder where you're at with that. I wonder if sometimes you feel the same way as me. It's like, I know God, but I don't really care about the things of God or reading his word. Can I ask you another question? Cool. Maybe the reason, it could it be that maybe the reason you're not growing in your faith is because of the attitude of your heart? Could it be possible that you're not growing in your walk with Christ or you're, you're not knowing him more because of the condition of your heart? I wonder if there's some people in here tonight who are just really angry with God because of some things that didn't work out. I wonder if there's some people in here tonight who could care less. Could it be that you're stale in your walk because of your heart? So to grow, we need to change the condition of our hearts. How is your heart doing? Not like, is it pumping blood? Like, I know that. I mean, there's no dead people in here. Or is there? Ooh, that was good. Um, How's your heart doing? How's your heart, like, for real? You don't have to answer back, but I want you to think about that. How is your heart? 
Second thing to grow is we have to, God has to soften our heart. We have to soften our hearts. Soften our hearts, number two. Jesus uh, would teach people, and he'd use this method, like he would teach through parables, which are like stories that resemble uh, or they teach us something about the kingdom of God. And he told this one parable of this farmer who was uh, spreading seed, and he said that the farmer walked along, and he threw some seed out, and some of it fell on a path that got picked up by birds, and he threw some seed, and it fell on rocky ground, and it never took root, and he said that he threw some seed uh, on the ground, and it was surrounded by thorns, and the thorns choked it out. And then lastly, he talked about how this farmer threw seed on good soil, and the, and the seeds took root, and they began to grow. And his disciples were like, this is real, like, what are you talking about, you know? So the disciples got with him, and they're like, Jesus, can you explain to us what you mean by this parable? And so we pick up that story in Luke chapter 8, verse 11. Uh, Jesus explains the parable. He says, this is the meaning of the parable. The seed is the word of God. Those along the path are the ones who hear. And the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so that they may not believe and be saved. Those on the rocky ground are the ones who receive the word with joy when they hear it, but they have no root. They believe for a while, but in the time of testing, they fall away. The seed that fell among the thorns stands for those who hear, but as they go on their way, they are choked by life's worries and riches and pleasures, and they, do not, and they do not mature. But the seed on good soil stands for those with a noble and good heart who hear the word, retain it, and by persevering, produce a crop. What I think Jesus is saying here is the condition of your heart determines the effectiveness of the seed. I want you to write this down. The condition of your heart determines the effectiveness of the seed. I'm just going to keep saying it. I'm just going to keep saying it until you get it. The condition of your heart determines the effectiveness of the seed. If your heart is not fertile, the word that you read and the words that you get from others will not take root in your life. And you will not grow closer to Jesus. You can read your Bible for 25 hours, but if your heart is not fertile ground, the seed that you're trying to get in you will not take root. So what is the condition of your heart? What is the condition of your heart? Are you in here tonight and you're like, man, I flipped through this thing and I try to read this thing, but <laughs> it's just not taking root. I wonder what the condition of your heart is. So this is a really dumb illustration, but I'm doing it. Um, Jesse, you can come here. <laughs> You're just right there, dude. I'm just sorry. Okay, can you hold this one? Sure. No, I'll hold it. Never mind. Can you stand right here and hold this? Thank you. Um, so this is Play-Doh. My lovely assistants made it into a heart. Like, does anybody play with Play-Doh? Every, okay, there's like, okay, some people have. Um, if you still do, that's cool, too. Um, but, huh? Yeah, exactly. That's what I grew up with. Anyways, uh, so have you ever tried to play with, like, old, crusty Play-Doh? So this is Play-Doh that has been out for a while. Can you, like, see the cracks in it? Like, you can try to, like, play with this and stuff, and it's just really hard to mold 
because it's just so crusty. Can you examine this and, make, and see that, that it's crusty? Yeah, it's crusty. It's crusty, right? It's crusty. Okay, thank you. Um, I'm just not, yeah, I'm just trying to be honest. No. It's so like, like I, there's particles in here that I'm not going to be able to, like, I can't get out. Like, I can still mold it, kind of, but it's not as easy when it's old and crusty or hard and crusty. I wonder if your heart resembles this old crusty Play-Doh. Like, I wonder if God's trying to, to work in you. He's trying to take this word and, and work it in you, but you've allowed your heart to get to a place where it's not moldable anymore, where it's just crusty and gross. Gross isn't the right word. Crusty. Seriously, though, does your heart resemble this? Because then you take... Thank you. Oh, thank you. You can sit down. Thank you. Give him a round of applause, please. Then you take, then you take some like fresh Play-Doh. Oh my gosh, fresh Play-Doh. Have you ever experienced this? You know what I'm saying? Like, at, like I think I have like stuff because I'm just like, ooh, I could do this the whole time I talk. You know what I mean? Um, but have you ever played a fresh Play-Doh that's like so easy to mold and you can do whatever you want with it and it's really fun to play with? Um, does that describe your heart? This is, I told you it was a really dumb illustration. It was really dumb, but it hits so true. Is your heart moldable, soft Play-Doh, or is it crusty and unmoldable, and you drop it? <laughs> Which one are you? Which one have you allowed your heart to be? Like, God can take any old, crusty heart and make it new. Amen. He can take any old crusty heart and make it new and make it soft and moldable. I'm not saying that there's no redemption from that. But I'm just saying in this moment tonight, which one are you? Because to get to that soft, moldable place again, you're going to have to acknowledge, hey, that's where I'm at. Acknowledging is the first part, and that's great. And then we can work on it. God can work on it. But which one are you? What is the condition of your heart? What is the condition of your heart? Because the condition of your heart determines the effectiveness of the seed. I've said it five times, so you'll write it down. I've said it five times, so it will stick in your brain. I've said old, crusty Play-Doh, not to make you laugh, but just so you'll remember it. Okay, anyways. Third thing is to grow, choose to grow. You have to choose to grow. You have to choose to grow. Uh, so we have a teaching team, like, for the net stuff, and we talk about ideas, illustrations, blah, blah, blah. And one of the guys in there uh, shared a verse with me, and I'm like, I don't want to share that. That sucks. I don't want to share that. That's going to be really tough. And then when I read it and I read it, like, I got really, uh, I don't know, like, I got emotional because, you know, like, I, I do a lot, not to brag about myself, but I do a lot of, we do a lot of praying about each and every single person that's in this room. Like, there's a lot that goes into the teaching and, and every single piece, there's a lot that goes into it. And uh, I feel a lot of weight for this ministry. Like, I always feel like i got to say just the right thing and it's got to be this. And um, I always want it to be, like, happy things, you know. And when he shared this with me, I'm like, I felt the Holy Spirit say to me, that's where your, some of your people are. And you have to share this. And so this is the stuff that doesn't taste good. But it's so necessary for our ministry. So the writer of Hebrews in, cha uh, in Hebrews 5, cha uh, chapter 5, verses 11 through 12 says, 
We have much to say about this, but it's hard to make it clear to you because you no longer try to understand. In fact, though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you the elementary truths of God, God's word all over again. You need milk, not solid food. Now he's using a different illustration for milk where milk is now just an infant thing, and he's saying you need to move on to solid food. And I read this, and I'm like, man, this is where a lot of our people are. Because there's some of you who have been coming to this ministry for a long time, and you're still in the same place that you were years ago. And so can I just ask you, are you still in the same spot that you were last year with God? Are you still in the same spot? If you were in the same spot next year, will you be happy about it? Like, where you're at tonight, if you're in the same spot a year from now, will you be happy about that? And I'm not saying, like, you have to understand, I'm not saying it's all about works and this and that, but I'm just saying, like, Peter said, to grow in your faith. And there's always going to be, like, hills and valleys and stuff, but, like, what is the consistent part of your life? Have you grown at all? And to be honest, to be brutally honest, there's some of you in this room that God's wanting you to step up. But we continue to make excuses of why we can't lead a small group. Or we make excuses about why we can't talk to our friend about Jesus. Or we can't talk to our roommate about Jesus. Or why we can't sing on the worship team. Or why we can't do this and these and excuse, 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 and, and you're stale in your walk, and you're not growing. It's like, obviously, okay, like, I talk about losing weight, right? I, I need to lose weight. I want to lose weight, whatever. I know I look beautiful, but still, okay? Like, don't feel sorry for me. I still love myself. Anyways, uh, thank you. That shouldn't have came from you, and you didn't say a word. That's my wife, if you don't. Anyways, thank you. Uh, it's like losing weight. I can talk about losing weight. I can talk about how I'm going to go to the gym. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. But, like, until I actually go to the gym, it's all just talk. And I don't really want to lose weight. Like, if I just talk about it and talk about it but never do anything about it, I don't really want to do anything about it. And I think the same is true uh, with our walk with Christ, with, with our relationship with Jesus. Like, we can talk about growing in God. We can talk about knowing him more. We can talk about wanting to do this and wanting to lead a small group and wanting to go on a mission trip and wanting to serve over here. And, and, but if, until we do something, it's just talk. And I, <laughs> Like, do you really want to? Do you really want to? I wonder if there's some of us in here tonight, and I've done this. Like, all this stuff I'm talking about tonight, I've done it, so that's why I can talk about it. But I just wonder if there's some of us in here tonight who are relying on past growth. Like, are you relying on past growth? Like, maybe you went with us to Passion two years ago, and you were like, ooh, I got the spiritual high, you know? And then you're like, I'm going to ride that way for the next two and a half years of my life. Like, are you in here, and maybe you're relying on past growth. Are you in here tonight and there's someone you're blaming for your lack of spiritual growth? Is there someone that you're blaming for your lack of spiritual growth? Maybe it's your mom. Maybe it's your dad. Maybe it's your pastor. Maybe it's me. Is there someone that, that you're blaming? Well, they just don't reach out to me enough. Or they don't try to keep me accountable. This or that. 
They don't call me to tell me to read my Bible. They don't text me to read. Like, is there someone that you're blaming for your lack of spiritual growth? And you have to look at me, and you have to understand that I love you so, so much. Like, I love every single person in this room, even if I met you tonight. I love you so much. And you can ask anybody on staff. Nobody loves young adults more than I do. Okay, I fight for you all the time. But I have to say this. I have to say this. The only person that is responsible for your spiritual growth is you. The only, the person who is responsible for your spiritual growth is Y-O-U. You can't say, well, Adam didn't call me and say, let's go out to talk for coffee, blah, 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 because people have said that. The person that is responsible for your spiritual growth, the person that is responsible for your relationship with Jesus is you. Because someday all of us are going to stand before Jesus. And I can't take Jesse with me and say, all right, Jesse, tell him about the, like my spiritual growth. Or come on, Kirsten, tell him about the time where you made me like really angry and I went off and that's why I wasn't growing is because of you. No, it's going to be you and him. So the person that's responsible for your spiritual growth is you. It's absolutely you. Growing spiritually, like, is a man, like, it's a mandate. It's not just something that you do once. It's something that God wants you to continue to do. So I just wonder, is there someone that you're blaming for your lack of spiritual growth? What is hindering you from growing? And so I think that the first step is, is admitting, admitting that, 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 that there's, there's this hindrance that's keeping you from growing. Whether you're blaming someone else or whatever, I think the first step is admitting that and then choosing to grow. And the last thing I want you to write down, the fourth thing to grow is you have to take a step. Like if I want to lose weight, I have to take a step of give, getting <laughs> myself to the gym. Like, that's the first step. And we're going to show a video, Daniel, if you want to start getting it ready. Um, and I'll tell you when to stop it. So just, um, but we're going to show a video from a pastor that is like the guy I love. Like, he's like my pastor kind of, you know. And, uh, but I, I love this guy, Levi Lesko. And he's got an illustration that I absolutely love. I was going to try to copy it, but I didn't have time. And, uh, but I want to show this clip. And I want you to listen to it because he talks about how consistency is so important. Consistency in your walk with Jesus is the most important thing. And so he said, do that. Like, you have to take a step. Like, take one step. And so we're going to show that, and then we'll, we'll wrap up. That's incredibly important. My friend, Pastor Greg Laurie, likes to, to put it this way. The evening of life is determined by the morning of it. That lines up so well with what Paul's saying in Romans 13 about the, the night being about to end, the dawn being about to come. We're still living in the, in, in the morning of life, and we can make decisions before the evening comes. And if we're living in the evening of life, we can make decisions before that dawn breaks out. It's never too late to do the right thing. It's never too late to, to, to not harden your heart, but to yield and to repent and to stop living for the flower and the grass, but to start living for the word of God. All right, so I got one last thing, and we're going to just park this introduction here and leave it, TBD, um, until, or to be continued, to be determined, can be fine too. Haven't read that message yet fully, so, uh, but it's going to be some good stuff, so I hope you'll come back. But, but let, me, let me leave you with this thought. Ongoing, 
consistency is much more important than short-term intensity. How do I want you to, to respond to this message? I want you to respond with a measured determination. Why am I not asking you and pushing you to start coming up with a list of ways you're going to change? Because that is so premature. Right now, I'm just, I just wanted to begin the talk so that we could understand this is going to be a lot to chew off, a lot to bite off. And whatever we bite off, we're going to need to chew and swallow. And ongoing consistency every time trumps short-term flared-up intensity. You can thank Bruce Lee for that. Why, why, why is that the case? Here, here's why. Because ongoing, steady, slow, measured consistency allows you to tap into what has been called the most powerful force in the universe, and that is compound interest. Think about what uh, Albert Einstein said on the subject. He said that compound interest is the eighth wonder of the world. He who understands it, earns it. He who doesn't, pays it. See also credit card debt. Mm -hmm. Whether you're earning 20% or you'll be paying 20%, it comes down to whether you understand the most powerful force in the universe and the power of steady consistency to build up and become strong over time. One of the best ways I've ever heard to get your head around what compound interest looks like is if you could imagine uh, a series of dominoes that increased in size. And I, I wish I could show you what that looks like. Oh, wait. There they are. Okay, yeah. So if you took a domino, but th that, one's, that one's too big. If you started out with a tiny little domino, uh, one that is only five millimeters tall and only one millimeter thick, and then you took 12 more dominoes so that your 13 dominoes uh, were to grow one and a half times consistently every single revolution. Every domino, one and a half times taller. By the 13th domino, you would increase in size all the way to the point where your last one is a meter tall and weighs 100 pounds. That is compound interest. That is exponential growth. The problem for so many of us is Ain't nobody got time for that. <laughs> We've made it to March so many times, and we're just discouraged. Why? Because we want to be over here. We want to go, here we go, from here to there. I just want to change. I don't get it. I just I tried that. I read the Bible one time. I wasn't a man of God overnight. <laughs> You should see yourself. It's so frustrating. Isn't there a pill I can take? Isn't there, isn't there some hot water I can pour on it? Isn't there something I can buy on Amazon? Can't, why can't I just be a great husband? Is there a marriage conference I could go to? Nah, you just got to do the dishes and quit being a jerk. I know, but I tried, <laughs> I tried that once, and it didn't work, and, and I just don't understand. And I, I tried saving. It wasn't for me. You don't understand my boss. He's just... Oh, he didn't tell you how special you were like your mom did and give you a reward for doing nothing? Oh, I'm sorry. Okay, so see, here's the thing. You can't jump from here to here without going through here. Right. 
And this is the next five years of your life if you want to get to this. Now this thing is so small, I gotta use tweezers to even get it into place. But if we start small and realize the power of ongoing consistency, here is what can happen for you. I rest my case. Now check it out. C.S. Lewis said that good and evil. Okay, so do you guys get the illustration? He's saying consistency is more important than the the mountaintop experience. Consistency, like doing it every single day, doing the one thing, doing the one or two things every single day leads to that growth. But how many of us are like, when he's throwing the little thing at the big domino, he's like, oh, I read my Bible once and I'm not closer with Jesus. Like, my life hasn't changed. Or I prayed once and, and it's, you know, I don't know him more. Like, I wonder if that's you. Like, man, like we've been labeled like the one and done generation, but I don't, like, I don't want that to be said of you. Like, to get where you want to be with, like, with knowing him, it's going to take consistent, obedient faith. Like, doing, just doing it every single day, that one or two things. Consistency is more important than the mountaintop experience. Like, like me going to the gym for three hours and working out every single muscle of my body, like, one time... You know, it's like working out and then going home and be like, I'm not skinny yet. What the heck? You know, like you know that it takes like consistent working out over time to get where, uh, you know, you want to be. And that's what it takes with knowing Jesus. Like he changes you in a moment, right? Like he, you are saved in a moment, but you continue to know him over time. Like, like your whole spiritual life, like you don't know him fully in a moment. Like, it takes time to continue to grow. And so I'll close with this, and then we'll sing one last song. Uh, when I was 16 years old, I went to Iowa hunting with my dad. And uh, my dad kind of just dropped me off at one of his friend's house. And, uh, and he, I don't know where he even went. And uh, he's like, here, stay with these, this guy and his wife for about four days, and I'll come pick you up. I'm like, okay. You have to understand my, who my dad is to understand that scenario. Anyways, not the time. And... Uh, so he drops me off, and this guy's name is Brandon, and his uh, his wife is um, I don't know how to say it other than just say it like she's she's a wicked like she's into witchcraft okay, and like I'm a 16 year old kid you know grew like I know Jesus and like she finds out that I'm a Christian and then she's just got like this like question 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 and I'm like 16 she's in her mid 30s at this point and I'm like I don't know I don't. Any of these things. I'm just a dumb 16 year old, and uh, and so after four days, uh, I did something like really daring. Not bragging myself, but it's kind of stupid. But uh, I said, you know what? I have to leave. But I trust in my God. I know how big my God is. I said, I challenge you to do this, to prove that God is real. I challenge you for 21 days to read the Book of John. Read the Book of John in the Bible, like she had a Bible. I said, I want you to read like a chapter a day or a couple verses a day for 21 days, and I want you to pray and ask God to reveal himself to you. That's it. That's what I want you to do for 21 days. 
And I said, I promise you, he will absolutely show up. That's a really big statement from a 16-year-old. I was like, I don't know. I'm just going to say it. And uh, so I kind of forgot about it. I went home. And a few months later, my dad was like, hey, uh, what did you say to Brandon's wife? I was like, oh, boy. Uh, uh, I was like, I don't know. And he said, well, dude, I don't know what you said, but she is 100% different. Brandon said that she's going to church now. She's involved at the, in the community. She's denounced all the witchcraft stuff, and she's 100% like for Jesus. And this is coming from my dad, who is not for Jesus. He's like, what did you say? And I was like, I don't know, but God showed up. God showed up, and he's changed her, and he can continue to change you because it's just small, consistent stuff. And so that's what I want to challenge. Will you guys stand with me? Like, that's what I want to challenge you with. I want to challenge you with doing one or two things every single day consistently to know him, to get to know him. Like, I want to challenge you to do this 21-day thing of reading. If you want to start somewhere, read the book of John, one chapter a day, and just ask him to reveal himself to you because he will absolutely do it. I would really challenge you. Before, like, for 2018, I want our people to have soft hearts and to read the word for themselves and to start to feed themselves because God wants you to grow in your salvation. He wants you to grow closer to him. And at some point, like a baby has to stop being fed and it grows up and starts feeding themselves. You know, like imagine if like my mom, like I'm perfectly normal and my mom was like feeding me, spoon feeding me, like that'd be kind of weird, right? And God is wanting you to start to feed yourself because you are responsible for your spiritual growth. So I challenge you to pray, like to seriously pray before you read. Say, God, what is the condition of my heart? I pray that you will soften my heart. God, help me to hear your voice. Help me to understand what I'm reading. You may be a new believer. You may be a Christian for 20 some years, but that's how I start off every time I read. It's like, God, help me to understand what I'm reading. And I promise you, if you start with that little piece every single day, you know, maybe you're not going to have the huge mountaintop experience, but I guarantee you, you will be further along in knowing him a year from now if you consistently do that small thing of just asking him, help me to hear from you. I'm going to read this two verses, but help me to hear from you. I want you to think about that as we sing. We're going to sing a couple songs or one song. And I want you to think about what is the condition of my heart? Am I like the crusty Play-Doh that's hard, kind of hard to, hard to grow anything in? What's the condition of your heart? And we'll